0: Welcome to Hurt at Sports Radio. I think it's crucial. It's it's where you establish uh, your standards. You know what you're going to tolerate. You know what you're going to accept. What you're not going to tolerate. I think it's where you build brotherhood. You know, um, you and I don't have to listen to the same music. We don't have to. We don't have to like the same food. But if I look over and I see you paying a price and I'm paying the same price, then you know, then I know uh, I can count on you when things get hard. And so. Um, the more you look at like research, the more you look at sport, the more you look at life. I think you start to realize. I like, don't think hard things is really important. You know, we have to challenge ourselves. We have to push ourselves. It's not punishment. It's an opportunity. And so, guys coming in, working hard, working together, uh, recognizing that what they thought was possible, what they thought was their limit, really wasn't their limit. They can go beyond that. Um, I think that's that's what's going to make us great. Kicking off hour number two here on Out Sports Radio AM five ninety. ESPN Omaha, ESPN Tri Cities. We're live on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. That's DB. I'm Ravi Lula. We are Hello. joined now on the Warhorse Sportsbook Hotline by our guy Mitch Sherman from the Athletic. Mitch, what's
1: going on? Morning, guys. How are you,
0: Mitch? My friend,
2: I've missed you. It's it's that we can actually do more than text now. We can like talk to each other as like an, on a job level.
1: It's great to see you. It's been a, since a cold day in the corner of Memorial Stadium like, uh, a couple of months ago. <laughs> yeah, wasn't that something?
2: Without my teeth clicking, I, I, I did admire your um, your ability to control your... Coldness? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's very admirable. I'm like, in my head, it's funny. Like, you never know what people are thinking when you're really talking to them, because I didn't have to say anything at first. I was like, how is he
1: not sitting freezing? still? <laughs> Like, I didn't have to sit out there for an hour, but uh Oh the setup did. the setup
2: for that was miserable too. Like clip it right and they couldn't they didn't want to hear wind, so you had to put the little muff thing on and it was very finite and I'm like it's like one degree out here. It i I I I'm I'm ready to go inside.
1: That's the episode that they should do outside and in- October or, um, <laughs> or even, like, to preview the spring game if there's ever ever an opportunity yeah. for, for that, like, with a late April episode.
2: Shout-out to Gavin Felix and Big Red Wrap-Up. That, that, that corner, there was no sun over there. Jay Moore was blocking what little light I had because he's, like, 6'13". I don't know. It's a big
1: dude. Good to see you, though, Mitch. You guys, too, you play in that, that quote out of the, out of the commercial – Um, it's really interesting the part that Matt rule said in that interview the other night on the Huskers radio network about how you and I don't have to listen to the same music. We don't have to like the same food, but if I look over and I see you paying a price and I'm paying the same price, then I know I can count on you when things get hard. I wrote that down the other night, not because I was going to use it in an article, but because I'm going to use it in life in, you know, whether it's coaching my kid's team or whatever it might be in some aspect of, of me going about my business. I thought that was super powerful, what he said. And obviously it's applicable to the Nebraska football team as they go through um, off season training. And maybe it will factor into a story that I wrote, but I, I I was, I was that um, kind of taken by that, by that comment. It's like where the preacher's son in Matt rule really comes out and, you can see when he says stuff like that what it is like to stand in front of him in a locker room or on a, uh, on a football field when he's trying to, to rally the, the guys, whether it's before kickoff, halftime, or, or just on a Febu- at a February workout.
2: Uh, two things, Mitch. This is why we get along, and I enjoy talking <laughs> to him. Totally unsolicited. Number one, uh, he's always inquiring about my dad, like doing research and stuff. So I sent him a thing yesterday. About my dad, and I said he would have been a big Coach Rule fan Mm -hmm. because, and all I had in my head was that quote right there, Mm -hmm. the one that Mitch just read, which I think is beautiful. Now, why does that resonate with me? Mitch, I'm not going to spill the tea, but I'll tell you, in our locker room, during a very tumultuous time potentially with two competitive quarterbacks, a very similar sentiment was shared by a captain about those two guys on how and why we had to come together. Very yeah, different guy, Very different guys, very different styles. You don't have to like this. You don't have to gravitate towards that. But at the end of the day, that we go through the same thing. So let's get our ass in gear, get it together. Pull in the same direction. We have a goal. We have we have something we want to accomplish. Me listening to Coach Rule say that gave me goosebumps real time because it's applicable about a multitude of things. And I know Coach Rule. There's no way he knows that. I mean, he nobody's telling he him what's he going might. on. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> Very good point. Good point. The dude is a Berean. He does a lot of homework. Um, but I it gave that. I can't believe you read that this morning. Like, that is, that's, that's who I, he is. That is exactly who he is.
1: That's, um, maybe that's why the comment resonated to me too, um, because it spoke to me about a different time in the history of the program. Um, not necessarily about a time where championships were won, but about a time when there was a brotherhood that he's trying to recreate.
0: Yeah. You, you know, Mitch, I, it, it's funny that, that DB brought up that quarterback scenario, because we were talking about that earlier this week, and I tried to, I tried to explain to him from somebody on the outside, just looking back at it and, and hearing these stories about yeah there were these oh on Monday kind of two sides to oh, the yeah, locker yeah. room, yeah. one guy wanted Brooke, one guy wanted Tommy, and I tried to explain to him that navigating that and still having everyone on the same page might be the most impressive thing that any of those teams did because. The only other time you hear about a locker room split, quote-unquote, where one guy's going for one quarterback, the other group's going for another quarterback, is when the season has gone totally off the rails. You never hear that story in a successful season, and that was potentially the best college football team of all time. It's because of the things Mitch read. Right, but that, that's what I mean. Like, that is the, one of the rarest things I've ever heard in my life.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would I would agree. You don't. <laughs> that's not usually the storyline for a championship team. So that that's part of what makes that era of Nebraska football so unique.
2: So let me ask you something, Mitch. Because we talk about this, in and on the other side, where a different a different time in their life, a coach may have done this, or it had, he's been seasoned, or she's been experienced enough for this time around, or they've learned because of this. I, I was thinking about this and talking to you this morning. You've been around, you've done a lot, you know a lot. How important is it from the media standpoint when you're getting a new coach in his tenure that it's a different phase in, the, in your life too, whether you're more experienced or more patient or less patient or have more in your repertoire that you've seen the compare and contrast. Where you'd maybe treat Coach Rule or whomever the new coach is differently because of the timing that you're engaging in in your life. Does it happen for media too?
1: Yeah, because everybody's got that human element, and you know, it's I'm clearly connecting. When, and when I say connecting, just like I just mean like the ability to communicate. Um, so I can clearly communicate with Matt Rule who is separated in age um, with me by, like, 30 days, much differently than I could with Tom Osborne or with Frank Solich or with Bill Callahan. I mean, so that's just part of a human-to-human interaction. And, you know, clearly, I mean, if you're asking about, like, the media, the the way the wheels turn...
2: You've um, seen and been through so much.
1: Right. That leads to a different... um, a different ability to be able to, um, do my job. So I can, I, I it's about perspective. And, um, in, in my case and in, in covering college sports, um, a lot of it at Nebraska, but not all of it. Um, there's 30 years of perspective, close to 30 years to be able to draw on. And hopefully, you know, that's something that comes through in the content that's produced, but specifically in a human to person-to-person interaction, with um, you know, the it could be Matt Rule, it could be Tony White, um, you know, it could be Evan Cooper, who, whoever it is on this staff. Like, yeah, I mean, there's there's experiences there that I can draw on, or that that you can draw on, um, or you know, somebody else in that in that press conference room can be able to uh, to look back on in their life, and and it, it definitely sh- helps shape the um, you know the questions that are asked and um you know in the way the information is is uh delivered when it comes out to the fans i
2: right, so i gotta tell you where that that question was birthed I, i'm on a a group text with a lot of former guys and we were talking about the differences in media and it was well this guy isn't covering sports anymore he's not around and well he's seen this and there's a compare and contrast and i and I always wondered, because I said this the first time around when I was doing the show, I said, there are some things that Coach Rule is saying that a lot of good coaches say. We're just not used to it, so we're, we're still kind of a- and like, oh my gosh. Like, we're enamored by it. He's, this is so refreshing. Yeah. So I always wonder from, from somebody that has your vantage point, yeah. is this relative to, to, to Coach Rule because you think it's the, the the right thing to do, or is this in comparison to what you've seen and heard, and you're comparing to from just where you're meeting him, right where you're at?
1: Well, I mean, I'll take myself or any media out of the equation because Matt Rule can can verbalize um, without our help. You know, he's a he's a strong enough speaker that you know he could he could just get on a, a YouTube channel and say all the things that he wants to say and and get the same points across oftentimes without us up there stumbling through questions to ask him um at a press conference but i I had a similar conversation with somebody yesterday about um the message that 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 he delivers on and this was about tony white and um about how i I think i think you kind of you kind of referenced this like a lot of coaches you 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 think would say this and should say this but it's not something that you generally hear and it's certainly not something that you see put into action the way that he has seemingly put it into action. And I'm talking about him stumping for Tony White, his number one guy, his most valuable piece of the coaching staff, his $1.6 million defensive coordinator. And here we are in February, and he's still out there stumping for him to get a job at a school that is coming into the Big Ten and is on Nebraska's schedule next season. So, you know, making a call to the athletic director at that school, that's going above and beyond. And these are things that you would think a a head coach should do. Like if there's 130 head coaches out there, most of them, I think, if asked about one of their coordinators getting a job at another school would say, I want the best for that guy. Very few of them, I think, would do it unsolicited and then go and make that call and talk about it publicly and continue to beat that drum and really put their actions behind what they're saying. So that's a case, I think, where it seems like this should be a pretty cut and dry issue. Like, of course, head coaches want their assistants to have opportunities, but it's a lot more rare than you might think that they actually say it in the way that he says it and then go do it like he has, especially at this time of year when it's very difficult to find a replacement.
0: We're talking with Mitch Sherman from The Athletic on the War really Horse good. Sportsbook Hotline. Mitch, you mentioned uh, kind of how, you know, that that whole sequence would have been to Nebraska's detriment in the immediate, right? Like it would have been to – they would have been worse off for losing Tony White in this moment, right? And whenever Tony White does leave for a head coaching job, which seems inevitable, they will be worse off for it. you know. And then I, I take that, and then I take it back to the quote you read of if they're willing to pay the same price I am, they're paying the same price I am, then that's somebody that you can trust, you can count on. And then I go over to the other side of the ball with the coordinators. And you see the sacrifices being made on that side of the ball where Marcus Satterfield is – maybe sacrificing a little bit of his comfort in having Glenn Thomas be on as offensive coordinator and be willing to say, hey, this is what's best for the team, even if maybe professionally it's not what's best for me. How How important is it to not only have your coaching staff talk like that, but then in the actual going about of hiring coaches and assigning roles and things like that, you actually see it play out as well in the way they act.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the way that Nebraska's restructured its offensive staff is a reflection of the expectations that Matt Rule and these coaches have for their players in the program. You know, they're asking guys to sacrifice for the the betterment of the guy next to them in the locker room. And sure, for Marcus Satterfield to um, go from coaching the quarterbacks, the most um, high-profile position on the team, To taking on the tight ends, it can be perceived, and I think Matt Rule's gone out of his way to make it clear that this is not a a demotion. This is not like something that should be a a hit for him, as far as like his own prestige or what what his his ego. But you know, some people aren't going to hear that. You know, some people, whether they're in Nebraska or out of Nebraska, are going to look at this coaching staff. They're going to hear anything that Matt Rule says in the off season, and they're going to call up the 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 bios of the coaches. at the at the in August or September next year and they're just going to make comments about and it's, it's going to be a storyline that that people hear in the Big Ten or nationally that, hey, they, you know, they replaced their quarterbacks coach or, you know, they got Satterfield some, um, you know, some some help as, a, as with a co-offensive coordinator. And, and, and that that part of it is is accurate. But, um, you know, for for Rule and his coaches, um, there's a real push to not have that be the priority to, you know, they're going to they're going to. Make their moves. They're going to say what this is, um, and then they're going to move on and do their jobs. And that's the expectation that they have for their players too. If you play a position and somebody else comes in who's better at that position, and you know you've got to make a shift and do something to be able to help the team, um, then you know that's what's expected of you in the Nebraska program. So it only makes sense um, in a a functional environment in, in that. If, the, if it's expected of the coaches, if it, it, then it should be expected of the players and vice versa.
2: Unbelievable. Like, so I go, I go back to a you know, conversation we had. This is when he first got here, and he was talking about getting players to turn the corner and believe. And he said – he was talking to a player in particular, and he said, why would – he said, I've, I've done this a long time. I've, I've got NFL experience. I've got combine experience. I have your best interest at heart. Why would you want to be combative – with me in practice like I am for you and he said you know he's like Damon you know this takes time because you have to model the behavior so uh, when I'm listening to you the power and the practical application of being who you say you're going to be if I can cheer and champion Tony White to go get a job and it could momentarily hurt me but help him why if I'm uh you know, Tame and wouldn't I listen to Coach Rule if he says, hey, man, if you just do this, this can happen for you. Or if I'm Gifford and, hey, if you stick around just one more time, make the sacrifice, you can get this on the other end. Like those real-life applications, they seem simple, but certainly aren't easy.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of times um – People probably underestimate how much the players are watching and how much they see everything that's going on around the program. Um, So if you are one of those players and and you've had the head coach or one of the assistant coaches come to you and say, we're going to ask you to do this because, you know, while it may look like a setback, in the short term, it's going to be a, a benefit for you down the road, either like professionally or in your in your college career. Um, they're more apt to do it because they see the way that the, the, the whole operation works at a larger level. Um, you know, sometimes we think the players just come in, um, you know, get their practices in, get their lifting in and, you know, watch film and and then they're on their way. But that's you know, that's obviously not the reality of it. They they they're living and and breathing and sleeping. um the the football just like in many ways just like the the staff is so mm-hmm. they know what's going on they know the inner workings of, of things they see um, probably more than even the staff believes that they see or expects that they see and and you know they're going to model some of their behaviors and their and their their patterns in in the way that they go about their business after the the you know as a result of the observations that they make
0: you know Mitch i have um, I'm been wondering about this a little bit over the last week or so since we started hearing from Glenn Thomas a little bit and I know you wrote a uh, I know you wrote a, a story about the culture fit of Glenn Thomas with yeah. Matt Rule and so I I've been I asked DB this and and we didn't really have an answer so I'm just curious if you have any insight to maybe the reasoning behind why Glenn Thomas wasn't on the staff i guess from the beginning i know there was the jake pete's thing a little bit last year as quarterbacks coach was it just simply the opportunity the fact they had an opportunity to move back to the nfl and wanted to give that a shot or do you have any insight there I've, I've been really curious about that
1: no um i don't i mean i think it was a timing thing with thomas and he was coming from arizona state and i don't know what the, you know we've we've only had those those 20 minutes on monday with him to to kind of um, dive into his career and the, the, the path that he took. So I'm looking forward, you know, whether it's, it's it'll probably be this spring to be able to get with him one on one and, you know, talk about why he, he chose to go back to the NFL. Um, I, I don't I don't know that he had an opportunity. Uh, a year ago, um, you have to you have to kind of match up the dates. I mean, he may have t- just taken the job with the Steelers when Matt Rule was starting to put together a staff, or you know, maybe it was it was the opposite. Um, Rule got his staff together first, and and they were they, like you said, they were pursuing another guy, Jake Peetz, who was who was in the NFL, and um, but that you know, oftentimes like there's good fits out there from a coaching um, standpoint, and they don't work just because the timing doesn't match up, and You know, without knowing the details of it, that's that's probably where I I would look first. And also, um, Thomas, you know, his career springboarded the first time he went to the NFL and was with the Falcons. So um, in the place that he was at last year, um, perhaps he was looking to take his, his career in a different direction and get that springboard again. So go spend some time in the NFL with the Steelers and use that as a jump. To get himself either to another level in the NFL or to come back into college, but you know the fact is that um, he was a good—he would have been a good fit for Nebraska a year ago with the way that Matt Rule was putting the staff together. It just didn't um, piece together, and he is a good fit now. No matter how this thing works out, there's no question um, how it works out with the quarterbacks and their development, and and you know the the path that. That Dylan Rayola and Daniel Kalin's careers and Heinrich Harburg's careers take from here. No matter what, the one thing that you know is that Rule and Satterfield and Thomas are a fit um, because they've done it before, not just at one school, they've done it at two schools.
2: Interesting. At the end of the day, before we get you out of here, Mitch, seems like three is the number. You know, Glenn, Coach Tommy's I want three guys ready. Is it a. Is it a blessing Excuse me, that the quarterback scholarship numbers are a little low, probably not ideal heading into spring, so you can focus on getting whatever three guys ready to play since that's the goal? Or do you think at some point down the road you go back and get a fourth because we've seen it (laughs) evaporate in a hurry
1: around here? Yeah. Yeah, There can be times where you need a fourth in the season. Um, I think it really just depends on, one – all three of those guys staying healthy through the spring and to just what they see from their development um you know Heinrich Harburg is is the wild card in this because they would like to use him in a role where he can really be a contributor to this offense I and mean, that means being on the field they would like that even a year ago right yeah, yeah right right if things would have worked out the way that intent was intended with Jeff Sims, Heinrich Harburg could have been in that role in 2023. So they're giving this thing another shot. And if everything's a go with Dylan um, and they've got a situation, and this is the way I would project it. This is, they've got a situation with Kalen where he can come in and, you know, get four games or three games and just be a developmental guy in the program i mean this this again the way it projects yeah myopic yeah tools that are, they're bringing to the table um and 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 that's all good and heinrich can be your um you know your your, your swiss army knife then i think they'll entertain the idea of going and getting a fourth guy um but that's all got to play out in the spring so i could still see it going either way
0: it's mitch sherman from the athletic mitch good stuff as always, always. we'll catch up with you again soon
1: Thanks, guys. Good to talk to you. Thanks, Mitch. That's Mitch Sherman from The
0: Athletic. Coming up next, we're going to talk a little bit of Omaha supernovas with Coach Kuhn here on herd at Sports Radio.